Let's go in-depth on Iowa State with the Des Moines Register. It's time, it's time for Cyclone Insider on 1460 KXNO. Hello and welcome to a humid edition of the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register on 106.3 FM in 1460 KXNO. It would not be a podcast of Iowans for Iowans if I didn't mention that it's hot as hell out, 100 degrees. I think it's 150 degrees in the studio, but we are going to sweat through it to provide you, the the audience, with an unbelievable section of radio here. Joined, as always, by Randy Peterson, we have a special guest, Alyssa Hurdle from the Des Moines Register, to talk about Iowa State football recruiting, which has been on an absolute tear this week, over the last week. But first, Randy, how are you doing? You've got to, always got to start with a check-in with you. <laughs> Why? No, because I'm, I'm always curious how you're doing. We don't talk other than on this show. Ever. Essentially, yeah. Although you were in the office this morning, uh, um, talk about a uh, black swan event. My gosh, did we talk about your mockingbirds that you? They're hummingbirds. The hummingbirds. No, I, I'm, not, I'm not ready to go public about my trying to, hummingbird. Trying to catch uh, in your front yard. Feeder. We can talk about Alyssa's I'm not trying snake. to catch them. Alyssa's got a snake in her yard. Uh, I've, I've, no, I've, what was it? A snake. Okay. A snake in our yard. I think we saved that for the third segment today, which, by the way, we're only doing two we're segments doing two. today to, to, be, uh, yeah. to be completely transparent because it's too damn hot Well, out. I think we're pretty transparent anyway. I mean, we're you are We're talking about least. your mockingbirds you, you, and the list of snakes. You are snakes. for sure. Like, we don't have to worry about any obfuscation on your end. That is for sure. I don't even know what that word means, but that's okay. I'm not on vacation yet. It's coming up later. <laughs> Alyssa Hurdle from the Des Moines Register, our recruiting Reporter extraordinaire, Alyssa. I want to just going to add some sanity to this. Want to kick it to you? I mean, we're talking, you know, three high-level Iowa commits here in the last week, with uh, Iowa State getting Kai Black, Cooper Abel, and Jamison Patton, all really within what the last seven, eight, nine days. On top of getting JJ Cole in April and Cooper Rhodes back in February, that's five pretty high-profile Iowans. I guess let's focus first on what's happened in the last week, and I guess give us the rundown on how impactful these three commits have been for Matt Campbell and Iowa State. Yeah, so I think, you know, if we're just looking at the last week, obviously Kai Black kind of kicked it off. That was a, a huge Cyhawk battle win for Iowa State. I mean, they'd been going after him for a while. They were his first Division One offer. Um, and when Iowa came into the mix, they still went after him pretty hard. Um, so I think, you know, his commitment kind of, Kind of showed other recruits, hey, he, he's he's in this. He wants to be with the Cyclones, and I think that kind of did feed into you know the official visits this past weekend, where Cooper and Jamison were both there. Uh, JJ Cole was up there. I'm pretty sure Kai Black was also up there. So you have that whole group together, and and you come off an official weekend with with those four all together, and then you get back to back commitments from Jamison and Cooper. I don't think that's a coincidence. What for you? I guess what does it say about you mentioned that the the Kai Black was a Cyhawk recruitment battle. To see Iowa State have the success in state, which they've obviously done well recently, but if you zoom out, that's obviously an area where Iowa has won more battles than it's lost. What's it say to you that that is no longer a uh, a one-sided affair, I should say? I mean, the obvious is that Iowa State's an equal contender now. I mean... Sure, you, you can look at last year when, when Iowa got Xavier Nwanka. I mean, I think everyone's going to look at that because you, you don't have a five-star like him come around the state every once in a while. But, you know, Randy and I were talking yesterday, and, and, you know, if you compare getting one kid to getting three, four, five, 
that adds up pretty quick. Um, and I think, you know, the, the caliber that these kids are playing at, the ones that Iowa State got, it, it shows that they're not only in the game, but that recruits view them as, as a high-level college program where they can develop. Give us the uh, scouting report. I guess, do you want to go through all three? Or do you want to, I mean, Kai Black, I think, is probably, you know, you mentioned the highest profile. I mean, what is what is Iowa State getting in these three players, you know, specifically uh, Kai Black? Yeah, uh, starting with Kai, I mean, I've only seen him play live once. I've seen him practice. I've seen his film. I mean, You're big on huddle. We know that. You're on huddle all <laughs> the time. Um, Kai Black is such a versatile receiver. I mean, I could see him. They already have two receivers in this class. They're going after a couple more. If needed, I mean, he's 6'4", so a little undersized, but he could transition to tight end easily. He's played that for Urbandale, and I think that kind of gives him an edge as a receiver. I mean, it makes him a little bit of a more defensive receiver, if you want to put it that way. Um, he, he's been built for the college game since his sophomore year. Um, I mean, he's, he's got the looks, he's got the skill, and, you know, he, the ceiling for him is really high right now. Um, you know, you want to get into Jamison. Kid's a freak athlete. There's no better way to put it. I mean, off the football field, he's he's got three home runs this year in baseball already, balancing camps and stuff. But, you know, on the field when he was at Roosevelt, he was a defensive back. He was their quarterback, and he also led them in rushing yards. So, you know, he's got a little bit of everything. And I think him transferring to Ankeny to, to pair up with J.J. Cole, the him, Kai Black, and, and Jamison all play seven-on-seven seven together. They've got a really unique chemistry coming in. And I, I'm, I'm excited to see how much, you know, Jamison grows as just a receiver for, for JJ this year. Yeah. Uh, Alyssa, I want to know, um, and you may not be able to answer this, but JJ was the first one. Those are one. the best questions Randy asks. Once he doesn't think you know how to answer. But no, JJ was the first one, correct? Is that Kai? Out of that four? Yeah. Yes. Well, okay. It, with, had JJ not happened, would there been a follow the leader. I don't even want to say follow the leader. That's that's probably not right. If JJ would not have happened, would Jamison have happened? Would Kai have happened? For example, do you think? I think you know. I want to backtrack and give some credit to to Nevada's Carson Rhodes first. And don't forget Carson Rhodes. You exactly. know, yes. he he was the first commit to Mike Campbell's twenty twenty three class. The first in state commit. Like he he's the one that kicked this all off. You know, the Cyclones didn't have any twenty twenty threes until he committed in February. Um, so obviously he, he was a big addition. Um, and then, you know, you, a couple months later, JJ comes into the mix and, you know, I, I don't like to speak for these kids, but yes, I mean, I, I think regardless of if Jamison and Kai played with JJ, I think it has an impact. He's one of the best quarterback recruits in the class in the country. Um, you know, he's, he's clearly the best, if not one of the best quarterbacks in the state. Um, right now, I mean, he, he's got a solid arm, he's got the size, and the fact that those kids know him, I'm sure helps. I think, re- like I said, regardless of if they had played together or not, his commitment is something that's going to impact a lot of recruits. You mentioned all those guys being on campus for official visits, and I'm curious in terms of the process, whether it's either for those specifically or Iowa State's strategy in general, is that the cherry on top of a recruitment that those guys were probably committing coming into that weekend, or is it where they seal the deal where it could be one way or the other and whatever happens there gets that done? I think it's more a seal the deal situation, at least for Cooper and Jamison this past weekend, because those were, were two kids I was telling Randy yesterday. I, especially Jamison and Cooper, I didn't expect them to announce a commitment until after they did their official visits. They had ones to Iowa set up later on and 
and both of those two kids were pretty hot in Cyhawk battles. I know, you know, Nebraska was in there for Jamison too, but so, so yeah, I think this was clearly a big weekend in terms of sealing the deal for these kids, showing them that, you know, this is where they want to be because they had other OVs set up and they, they put those on the back burner to instead commit to Iowa State. Once again, here's an unanswerable question. The best. But the best. Two in a row. How about that? I We're know. on a fire well, today. Well, uh, Not just because of the heat. This, the, yeah, that could be too. Uh, no, am I complaining is, about the heat too much? I think I'm complaining about the heat too much. And boom. So what's changed? <laughs> uh, just listening to Alyssa talk, I, I ran, I ran, a, this popped into my mind. I, I would be surprised if among some of the guys that Iowa State has for 2023, I would be surprised if, and I'm, you know, it's not going to be the name, image, and likeness question. I would be surprised if th- at least some of these recruits wanted to know about Matt Campbell's future, and they they committed to Iowa State. These guys did. Does that say that Matt? will be there to coach them, do you think? And I, I'm pretty sure where you're going here with this. But, I mean, but I, let, me, let, me, let me finish here. Um, I don't know whether – there were a lot of jobs open last year. And Matt's still at Iowa State. So my guess is that I, I would not – it, it would be perfectly logical for Iowa State fans to jump to the conclusion that J.J. Cole – coming to Iowa State. Jamison Patton's coming to Iowa State. Kai Black is coming to Iowa State. Cooper Evil's coming to Iowa State. Um, um, Carson Rhodes is coming to Iowa State. They're not coming to Iowa State to play for somebody for one year. That's just my guess. Do you Your want me turn. to answer that? Your turn. You listen to me? I mean, I, but feel- I don't know what high-profile high jobs would be open after this year than, than last year. I mean, like, certainly getting those commitments is better than not getting them. Like, you'd have if they didn't get those guys, I guess we'd have questions. But I don't know that those guys committing doesn't necessarily answer anything to me about Matt Campbell's longevity in Ames, which is not to say he's leaving. I'm just saying if, I, if there had to be something that said, okay, that's a guy that's going to be there for another five years – I don't know that that would be it for me. And in terms of these those other high-profile jobs being open last year, yes. But the two that I think we're talking about, USC and Notre Dame, was Campbell the number one guy for either of those? I don't think so, which means we don't know if he was trying to leave or would be willing to leave, which, again, doesn't mean he was. I'm just saying we don't know. And I think if I'm an Iowa State fan, and I guess this is kind of my attitude as somebody who covers this day in and day out, is get comfortable with the unknown. Get comfortable with not knowing because you can't know. And you will never know until every day is Matt Campbell still the head coach at Iowa State. That That's the case until it ain't. And I think that's really probably the only way you can go about it. But to your point, to get high-level in-state recruits suggests whatever he told those guys made them comfortable enough to come to Iowa State. And, you know, Randy, I don't want to burst your bubble, but sometimes football coaches lie about stuff. So... I'm, again, I'm not taking it as gospel, but I think if you're looking for evidence one way or the other, like this is better than the alternative. I said, I would right, say, right, right, and I and I agree with you. Coaches sometimes lie, and I'm not certainly not trying to start a or or will say something that is true at the time, and then situations change, or they've and, all and got and the that, phrase, and their circumstances change. I guess I don't want to frame it as just lying. They've all yeah. got the phraseology down. Yeah, you can say something that's yeah. true today that changes tomorrow. But, Absolutely right, and I'm not trying to start. A big deal here, you know, will Matt Campbell leave or is he going to stay at Iowa State? I'm not. I'm just saying that. You don't that, do that till July every year. Exactly. <laughs> We've got another month or so. 
Um, no, Brian Davis does that at the yes. Big 12. <laughs> Remember that? Yeah, I do. First question last year at the Big 12 from the media was, was our friend, a very good friend, Brian Davis from Austin American Statesman. His first question to Matt was, I swear to God, it was the first question. Why are you still at Iowa State? <laughs> and I know Iowa State fans get bent out of shape about that, but it's a good question. It's a good Just question. Just answer it. Like, tell the, us why. You like, know the, it's, it's basically the saying, Matt, I would like you to publicly give your recruiting pitch to the exactly. largest audience possible. I mean, you're doing them a favor. Exactly. You're putting it up on a tee. But Iowa State fans Let them hit it bent, out of the park. That's okay. Um, um, yeah, but I, th- I think this is um, – Matt did – if, in fact, this was – if, in fact, this was a question – and it may not have been, but Matt did a good job convincing them with an answer, if that was out there, that, yeah, he's the coach going forward. And, um, you know, like we said, he did not leave after last year, whether he pursued, whether he didn't, I don't know. Um, but, uh, yeah, he, coaching these guys going forward, and, and you've been to football camps, Alyssa's been to camps, I've been to camps this year. Um, it's not like he's out there just walking around being a figurehead. He's he's working yeah. at these camps, too. I mean, just like, I guess, independent of any of that conversation, here are the facts around Iowa State football. They're coming off their best stretch in history, five- or six-year stretch. They're recruiting at a, one of the highest levels that they've ever recruited at, and Matt Campbell is the coach. You've probably, like, whatever comes next, things are set up pretty well for you if you're an Iowa State fan, if you're on the Iowa State staff. Right, like I mean, like bottom line, it speculate going forward, predict going forward. You know, that's not uh, that's what we do, but it ain't worth much, right? Speculate all that on exactly all you want, and I don't think he wanted to go. If he had a chance, I don't know, but going out seven and six is not exactly the the way that that uh, you know that season should have should have played out anyway. I mean, but if it was me, I'd be more uh, interested in where I'm going in and how much they're paying me. Agreed. <laughs> That's just me. I, I, there, That's I just to, me. I had to. to, to so, I, I can be bought. Just if anyone's listening, I'll, if you want to pay me seven million a year to coach your football team, I'll do it. I will do it. You'd ha- your family would have to take a salary reduction. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, all right, Alyssa. <laughs> I guess we've talked about what's happened here already this summer. What's next for the Iowa State football? You know, as they're looking to finish up this class and and move on even further down the line. I know, you know, a big one coming up. I, I was talking about receivers before. before the, there's a big question with, you know, the receivers that are coming in. They've been going really hot after Josh Manning. I, I'm kind of, my biggest question is to see how that turns out with two, possibly more receivers already signed onto this class committing the past week alone. Um, I think, you know, they've got a lot of diversity in terms of the, the positions they have there. They obviously picked up an offensive lineman in, in that JUCO transfer. And what's his name? That JUCO transfer, uh, I'm not. I'm not going to butcher his name. He he doesn't deserve that. You're a print reporter. You only have to know how to spell it. Exactly. Um, you know, but they added him in this this incoming class. Um, so obviously they're not waiting a year on him. But I, I think you know, in terms of 2023, they need to go after you know a few more defensive offensive linemen. Kind of round out. They have their quarterback. They have their receivers. Um, you know, the, the the offense is looking pretty good at least in terms of replacing the the figureheads that are going to be leaving after this season. Um, and, you know, selfishly for me, I'm, I'm using these camps to find out who, who their 2024s, their 2025s are, the, the kids that are going to come after the J.J. Coles and Jamison Pattons and Kai Blacks of, of Iowa State. Yeah, recruiting never stops. I mean, it's just you secure one class and you're already, even before then, you're on to the next. And Alyssa and I were talking this morning. Interestingly, Iowa State is going after re- receivers, and we know Xavier Hutchinson is gone after this year and, and, you know, a couple others. 
Um, there's one more still out there, and I, I can't say his name. Benny. Benny emoji. Goji, I think. Whatever. Yeah, he's st- he's still out there, and and he's uh, Iowa State's really high on his radar. Also, well, and he's not an Iowa. I know that. But. I wonder too, like in the transfer portal world, like how much Boom. how much of your recruiting, and obviously I think there are exceptions to what I'm about to say, but how much of your recruiting is position specific versus talent acquisition? Because now. Like, if I need a left tackle, I can go into the transfer portal and get a guy that's been playing for three or four years. Or if I need a quarterback or whoever, like, you have the ability, an improved ability, to go get targeted players. Whereas in recruiting, and I think if you're Campbell and your staff, you feel pretty damn confident in your ability to evaluate and to find players that are being overlooked by other programs, to regardless of their position, like, A... You can fill holes through the transfer portal, and B, you're probably like when you uh, do your board out of your roster, you're probably losing guys that you don't necessarily think you're going to lose. So just get as many dudes as you can and figure it out. I mean, I don't know if that's what they're doing, but I think that's. I wonder if we're going to see a shift in strategy across the country and how teams build out their recruiting classes. You know, I, I'd kind of agree with that. I think it's it's both. I think you can go positional in the transfer portal, obviously, like you were saying, you can go after exactly what you need and get a kid that already has experience under his belt. But then, like we were talking before, you look at the talent in this 2023 class, like Jameson is clearly a kid that's played multiple positions. He yeah. can transition easily to multiple positions. Kai Black's another one. I mean, Cooper Ebel, from what I've seen, is another kid that can kind of fit whatever hole they need him Camp to. Yeah, Cam Smith is another big one that that has the potential to do that. So I think what you were saying, it seems like it's kind of transitioning not so much to, hey, we we want this specific position, we want this kid in this position. It's who's the the most talented player out there that that can be everything for us, that can be anything we need him to be. And I'm just looking at the at the makeup of 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 the 23 recruits in 2016. Which Campbell's first, I think I'm, I'm calling his first recruiting class. You don't think so? Yeah, no, I was just doing the math. Okay. Um, there was one Iowan got a scholarship. You remember who that was? I was with you that night, as a matter of fact. That got a scholarship. It was, was it the offensive lineman no. that was a walk on? No. It happened in November, and you and I were both in. I, I don't know. At Texas A&M, we really? were sitting outside a patio eating. Dinner. I don't remember. Chase Allen. Chase, of course you would know Chase Allen. I should have, <laughs> I should have, I should have known why that memory of course. stuck with and you so, so much. And so now it's gone from, from, from one in 2016 to, to one, two, three, four, to five this year and counting probably. So, and, and that's. And I, th- I think that's easily dismissed. Let me finish this. No, I know. Easily dismiss as parochial that like, oh, we only care because they're Iowans and we're Iowans are proud of Iowans. Right. And certainly like that's some of it. But like also I think it is truly actually meaningful and important because that's sustainable recruiting, right? You know that you if you can start the sale, the sell is easier to people that are familiar with and have ties to your university and people are going to have those the closer in proximity they are to your university, right? So that is a consistent place that you can go and get recruits. It's harder to go into Ohio or Texas or Florida or whatever the the footprint you want it to be. You can have ties there, but it, it's always going to be consistently a higher bar to clear on average than getting players from within your state. Two points on that. Number one, okay, Chase wasn't technically an Iowan, but he might as well be. He was from Nixa. 
Um, but his, you, but he was I mean, you here. are the official was, arbiter of this, here. so you give him so, <laughs> Iowan status. But I guess. anyway, well, you but can anyway. bestow that honor. But upon anyway, him. Chase Downer, I think we'd all consider him an Iowan. And another, and another thing, I don't know whether you were standing there, Alyssa, at one of the the the, the camps I was I was that that I just happened to attend the same time you did, but Campbell or somebody was was just talking to us, just random randomly talking to us. We were talking about recruiting in general. He said that recruits in your within a six hour, like he always uses, within a six hour radius of of a university, not just Iowa State. You could be Iowa, Penn State, whatever. Hawaii, Hawaii, yeah. Um, you could be. There's their commitments. If you've committed, if you've committed to somebody within six hours of 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 the university, those commitments seem to hold, um, um, seem to hold more so than, than others outside like decommitments. So I don't know whether, where that is, but I think that probably is more important than ever given the transfer portal right now is getting guys that want to be there and are committed to being there through thick and thin and seeing their, uh, you know, seeing their adversity because there's always going to be adversity, especially in your career, seeing it through, to the other side, I do think that's as important as you know a lot of other factors and how you're targeting players. We'll talk more recruiting when we come back on the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register here on 106.3 FM and 1460 KXNO. Everything you need to know about Iowa State, it's Cyclone Insider with the Des Moines Register on 1460 KXNO. Welcome back to the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register here on 106.3 FM and 1460 KX. And now Travis Hines, Randy Peterson, Alyssa Hurdle here talking Iowa State football recruiting. Alyssa gave us plenty of good nuggets of information and insight in the first segment. If you missed any of that, be sure to go find it in your favorite podcast app and subscribe so you never have to go searching for it again. If you're ever unfortunate enough not to listen to the show live every Tuesday night, it is a good backup plan. Alyssa, we talked a little bit about what Iowa State's plans are going forward, but I want to hit on that again, especially with camps ongoing this week, and you've been at a number of them in the past couple weeks. I don't want to get your thoughts on what you've seen and what you're still looking to see here as things uh, wrap up of camp season. Yeah, so I mean, I'll get into this week's really, really briefly because obviously haven't seen any kids yet. Really looking forward to being outside for for three hours in this heat. Um, that's going to be the highlight of my. She week. brought up the weather, not me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So so looking forward to that. There's there's a pretty hot shot quarterback, a 2025 coming in from Nebraska. Uh, Mikey Rowe can throw with both his left and his right pretty well, um, and and he'll be in town tonight. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing him. But I mean, let's let's rewind a week to to two camps that I was at Tuesday, Wednesday. And then we do need to revisit the Amberdex race quarterback. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't just want me to drop that. No, we're gonna away. we're gonna have to come back to that. So proceed, but just I'm bookmarking that discussion. Um, yeah. So like rewinding to last week, I mean, t- Tuesday was a really great showing. Abu Sama came out. I mean, he he's been hot since he set the state long jump record in track, and clearly colleges took notice of that. He's picked up a ton of offers ever since, and. And he performed pretty well. Um, there were a few tight ends that I got s- some eyes on in state, um, but for me, w- Wednesday was the big day. I mean, there wasn't, there weren't those like headliner in-staters that were there. Um, but but that quickly changed. Uh, Malachi Curvey, some fans might know his dad, Brent Big Play Curvey. Uh, Malachi showed up, just finished his freshman year of football, and promptly picked up his first Division One offer from Iowa State after that camp. 
because of the way he performed. Um, you, you know, I, I followed him around for a lot of camp. I mean, it was clear the coaches were paying attention to him. And, you know, for good reason, he's, he's a rising sophomore. And how do you know when they're getting, how do you know when they're getting commitments or they're getting um, offers? Because we can barely talk to him right after who, camp, who they get the principal's office. they get pulled to the office right away. Um, but we were fortunate. That means to pulled track. to Matt Campbell's office for those of you. Yes, not reading between the lines. Uh, but yeah, I, I followed him around a lot of camp. I mean, he's a rising sophomore. Kid is built like like a, a graduating senior already. I mean, he could put on a little bit more muscle, but he has the size, he has the look, he has the speed, he has the feet, he has the hands. Um, th- there's nothing this kid doesn't have right now. And the fact that he is only a sophomore, the fact that he's playing at Waukee, which you know has produced some pretty high-level players already, you know his ceiling is really high, and, and he's someone that wasn't on my radar going into camp, and and certainly will be probably the first player on my my 2026 recruits list. 2026, 2025, one of those two. They all make me feel very, very old, Alyssa. <laughs> that is that is the one thing that I know. What doesn't make me feel old but makes me feel intrigued is a quarterback that can throw with both his hands. So let's go back to this conversation. I, I can see it is both a novelty and a uh, benefit, like an actual benefit, but I guess give us some information on the quarterback with two hands. <laughs> so, awesome. I mean, I can I can take it back a few weeks ago. I saw, I saw a kid throwing just in drills, throwing with both his hands, had no clue who this kid was, just showed up on my Twitter, had gone viral very, very quickly. Um, log on to Twitter last night or this morning. Turns out this kid's going to be at Iowa State camp tonight. Um, he, yes, of course. Um, you know, from the, vi- I mean, it's, it's really hard to tell how skilled a kid is from a single video meant to kind of showcase the fact that he throws with both hands. Uh, but he's accurate. He's strong with both arms. It didn't. I couldn't recognize a weakness. I think, you, you know, I'm definitely going to see more tonight when I can see him in person. But even the fact that you know he comes into this with, with the strength in both arms to throw a football that has Division One coaches interested. I mean, that's that's a pretty big sell. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine that you can't be good enough with your offhand to be a Big Twelve quarterback. But it is fascinating to see somebody that might try or at least can do it at a high level in high school. And I think. I mean, that's it's endlessly fascinating to me. My biggest question is, do coaches want him to throw with both hands, or is there going to come a point where they're like, pick one, train that one, get better than everyone else with that arm, and like, if, if we need to use you on a trick play every once in a while, you can pull out, you know, I don't want to say pull out your other arm because it's, <laughs> it's still there, but, you know, I, I'm kind of questioning, like, do, do coaches want that sort of skill or is it, do they want him to focus on the strength in one arm and kind of use that as a, as a crutch? Yeah, I have no idea, but I'm guessing not just because it's so hard to be a quarterback at that level. And like, if you're 5% worse with one arm, why use it? Right? Like, I guess you, whatever you gain with your footwork rolling out the other way, but it, it'll be and interesting to hear what he has the, to say. Alyssa, and to hear maybe what coaches have to say. No, as well. no, exactly. I think that I, I'm intrigued. I want to. Uh, there's a couple things. So, um, um, what about does that? How do you figure? How do you? How do you do your offensive line? For example, usually with okay with Hunter Deckers, your blindside tackle is going to be on the right side. With with Brock, your blindside tackle was on the left side. How do you how do you do that? So I mean, you, you recruit two really good tackles. There's, there, you okay, you but exactly, but out. there's different skills. I mean, if 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 you're on the 
that would be the the left side when Hunter is, is quarterback. You're not maybe it's the same skill. I don't know, but but um, the best players. Well, no, no I'm there. I'm not this being <laughs> baby. I'm not disagreeing with that. They always said the best lineman was your center. I I don't know, but with a quarterback with with as you would say two hands, um, and wasn't it a how many years ago? Not long. Did Iowa State have a punter that could punt with both feet? Remember that? You, you got to ask our colleague Tommy Birch. Oh yeah, about he's, a, he's a special teams I, dude. I, I ignore them, but no, I, I think it's intriguing. I I, I really really do. Um, well, I look forward to hearing more from Alyssa about camp in general and also the ambidextrous quarterback. And, to, and drink water tonight. Yeah, hydrate. But Randy, I want to hear from you. You were in Ames this weekend, yeah, uh, talking to some people around the Dan McCarney reunion. Uh, sounded like an eventful weekend, an impactful weekend. Uh, for Iowa State alums, uh, you know, that played for McCarney and certainly uh, the former head coach who, despite, you don't see very many fired head coaches retain the level of uh, beloved status that I feel like he has maintained at Iowa State, especially which, by the way, the AD that fired him is still the AD. Like, yeah. That's kind of, kind of amazing, too. <laughs> I th- Yeah, exactly. I, I still consider um, Dan McCarney the face of, of not only the athletic department, but if you want to say the university have at it i mean seriously is there anybody anybody other than matt campbell but they know that that's instant recognition they could walk around the parking lot the only other guy is the uh, head basketball coach in nebraska probably and yeah exactly doesn't really translate no exactly yeah but um yeah it it was cool the iowa state uh, last weekend was the the reunion for for mccarney's former players and former assistant coaches um, a couple, a couple players, maybe three, a handful of players, including Zach Butler, who played, um, who was a three-year starting lineman for McCarney, they got together and and decided that they needed to do something to honor their coach. They needed to do something to honor Mac. And so, what they did was among players only. They didn't seek any sponsorship money or anything. Just among Mac's former players, they raised one hundred and whatever, one hundred twenty-seven thousand dollars. They went to the university and said, we've got this $127,000. We'd like to um, to use it to, na- rename, to name the um, letter winner's wing at the Stark Performance Center, the Dan McCarney and family letter winner's wing. And it's not just for football players. It's for letter winners as a, for the whole university. Um, and that money is, is it, the university agreed. They said, yeah, that'd be cool. That money then will be. <laughs> is that what they said, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's yep, cool. That'd be cool. That's cool. That'd be cool. We will indeed take your $125,000. <laughs> we, oh, we, we didn't check. even talk about <laughs> the, the collective. Um, um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, so I, I think, I think that's neat. And, but that, that money then, whatever it is, 130, whatever, 130,000 something, that's going to be an endowment for the letter winners club for, to, which means it, you know, I assume once the market gets back to where it should be, it'll grow, maybe. <laughs> look at that market punditry in the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour. Not something Dude, I look at my see. stocks. Um, <laughs> and they're pretty red right now. But um, um, yeah, I, I think I think that's neat that the, that they're doing that. I mean, they, it's going to go to to for present athletes, former athletes. Um, you know, who may need some sort of assistance in, in something from our letter winners, not just in football, but, but in all sports. And then, and then um, set aside a little bit of money so they can do the football reunion every year, kind of like what Prome did, you know, but his was all, you know, forever. And it wasn't basketball. funded. And I think that became oh, it was starting huge. to become an issue. 
It was what? Starting to become an issue that it was not funded, that people were asking. No, exactly. Like, without question. Yeah. Without question. Yes. Yes. So Didn't have a dedicated funding right. mechanism. But that's say. what's neat about this, this McCartney thing is that it was just former players. It was not, I mean, they could have gone to Sue Cup or John Fleming or, you know, Doc Schulman or, or I don't know who, anybody, uh, Weatherwax and got some money. But no, they wanted it just to be for, from the athletes. And that, that to me was, was very telling. And, and Mac was speechless. And if you've ever known Mac, you know he's not speechless. But he was speechless. He started crying. It was, it was uh, he had no clue. Sounds like a meaningful weekend and a meaningful gift from Iowa State alums. This has been a meaningful show and meaningful time with you two. So thank you for joining us and for our audience for joining us on the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register on 106.3 FM and 1460 KXNO. If you missed any of the show, be sure to check it out wherever you get your podcasts. For Randy Peterson, for Alyssa Hurdle, I'm Travis Hines. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week.